as you're sitting there and you're talking to God, I want you to thank Him. That He loved you enough to send His Son into this world and allow Him to live and die and to die in our place. What a gift. And as you pray, I want you to invite God at this moment just to speak to you and say to you whatever it is He needs to say to you on this morning. Father, I thank You that You've allowed me to be a part of this service. I thank You for every person who's here. I sincerely thank you that they have chosen to be a part of this church service today. And I thank you, I guess most of all, Lord, that I know you're here. No, we can't see you, but it doesn't change the fact that you are here. So I pray that you will be praised, I pray that you will be worshipped, I pray that you will be honored and revered, and I pray that you will speak. You will speak in such a way that you are heard. Be pleased. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Quick question for your personal consideration. How is your soul this morning? Looking deep down inside of yourself, can you honestly say, Ronnie, it is well with my soul. If not, I want you to know that you're in the right place. And, uh, you know, perhaps because things are not well in your soul, you're not having a very Merry Christmas. I want you to know that my goal today is to help you have a Merry Christmas and furthermore, a Happy New Year. Now, how am I going to do this? This morning, I want to help you unwrap and begin using a gift that you were given a long time ago. The gift is the gift of peace. You know what peace is? It's the ability to be calm, content, unshaken, unafraid, and happy no matter what your circumstances. What an awesome gift. On the night of his birth, angels proclaimed that Jesus had come to give us peace. And on the night before his death, Jesus confirmed... I'm leaving with you the gift of peace. Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again so that you could have peace on earth. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Peace on this earth? Really? You're thinking to yourself, Ronnie... I have no peace. I know that. 
And furthermore, I believe that I know why you have no peace. Let me be a mind reader for just a second, okay? Something has recently happened in your life. And perhaps it happened abruptly. I mean, with absolutely no warning. And you're realizing that change is coming and your life may never be the same. Problems or challenges have arisen and these problems are way too complicated for you. And these challenges are way too big for you. Therefore, you're mentally preoccupied. You're not thinking about... God's love, you're not thinking about God's son, you're not thinking about God's gift, you're not thinking about celebrating the holidays. You know what? You're so preoccupied with what has happened. You're emotionally upset. And you're afraid of what the future might hold for you. Am I right? Did I get it? In the mental and emotional state you're in, you're not having a very Merry Christmas. And you know what's worse? If something doesn't change, you're not going to have a very happy New Year. Listen to this. It doesn't have to be this way. Jesus has given you a gift that will calm your mind and your spirit. He's given you the gift of peace. You you, you ask, if Jesus has given me the gift of peace, why is it working for me? Could be that you simply don't know how to use the gift. You know, what good is an iPad if you don't know how to use it? I guess you could get some good out of it. I guess you could use it as a serving tray. Huh? I guess you could use it as a frisbee or a doorstop, but if you really want to get the good out of it, somebody's got to show you how to use the gift. So this morning I want to show you how to begin using the gift of peace so that you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. To experience peace, there are three things you've got to know. And there's one thing you've got to do. Let me share what I'm talking about. This morning, I want to share you one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. I wasn't raised in a religious home. We rarely went to church. But there was this one summer when I went to a vacation Bible school. And yes, I did. I glued macaroni to a paper plate and spray-painted it gold like everybody else did in vacation Bible school. And in our commencement exercises, they gave me a Bible. It's the first Bible I ever had. It was a little black zip-up Bible. And inside that Bible, there were pictures. Thank goodness there were pictures for me and people like me, like Billy Lusk and myself. <laughs> and it had pictures of all kind of the key events that took place in the Bible, the uh, creation, the flood. I had a picture of the nativity. I never took that Bible out until Christmas. But every year at Christmas, after everybody else had gone to bed, I'd get that Bible out. I would unzip it and I would go to the picture of the nativity. And down at the bottom, 
it would tell you the verses to read that described what you were seeing. And it was this story. And every time I would read that story, I would feel something. And I would think, man, this must be the Christmas spirit everybody talks about. Well, now I know it wasn't the Christmas spirit. It was God's spirit. As a teenager, I got away from that, of course. But after I was married and had my own family, every year, every year on Christmas Eve, by candlelight, I would read my family this story. It's found in Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through through 38. I'm going to tell you part of the story. We're going to read part of the story. At the outset of the story, God has sent the angel Gabriel to this earth on a mission. His mission was to find the young woman that God had chosen to be the mother of the Messiah and inform her as to what God was planning to do in her life. So Gabriel comes to earth. He goes to Nazareth. He goes to the town of Galilee. And he finds a young woman named Mary who was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. I want us to read about their initial encounter in verse 28. I want you to look at this. Gabriel appeared to her. Now, I want you to notice that. Did you see that? It kind of, the way it reads to me, it's kind of like all of a sudden, one minute he wasn't there. I'll tell you, the next minute he was. And in my mind, you know, think about this. He's an angel. He's an archangel. I've got to figure he's a big, imposing dude, perhaps dressed like a warrior. And one moment he's not there, and the next moment he is there. Look what he said to her. He said, Greetings, favored woman. Did you see the exclamation point here? Greetings, favored woman. You know what that tells me? It tells me that this guy was uh, kind of loud. He was uh, enthusiastic. He was excited to be playing his role in God's plan. And then he says to her, look at this. This is a key phrase in our story. The Lord, he said, the Lord is with you. How does she respond to that? Look at verse 29. Here's a key word. You seeing it? Confused. And it tells me she wasn't nearly as enthusiastic as he was, not nearly as excited about uh, this encounter as he was. She's confused. She's wondering, who in the world is this? How did he get here? What does he want? What does that mean? What does it mean to me? Look at this. Confused. That's one of our key words. Look Look what happens. Confused and disturbed. This upset her. Confused and disturbed. And look what else. Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. While he's standing there, she's trying to process all this. She's trying to figure all of this out. She's analyzing everything, looking at it from every possible angle. You know, she's, her, the wheels of her mind are turning. Her mind is racing. And the angel recognizes this is not going exactly the way that I had planned. Look what he says to her in verse number 30. Don't be afraid. He realizes I've scared her. You see those three key words? Confused, disturbed, and afraid. My question to you is this. Does that describe you? 
Is this a mental and emotional state that you came into this church in? Confused, disturbed, and afraid. If so, I want you to, I want you to pay careful attention to what happens next. He said, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. And what does it mean? This is what he said. He said, Mary, I don't want you to be upset by it. This is a good thing. God is about to do for you an incredible favor. And then he goes on to explain it. In essence, he says, out of all the women who ever lived, out of all the women on the earth at this moment, out of all the women who ever lived, God has chosen you to be the mother of the Messiah. You're going to conceive and give birth to a son. You're going to name him Jesus. And he said, he's the one that your people have been waiting on for generations. He's the one that all the prophets foretold would come. He's the one that all the Levitical offerings have been pointing to. Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. Now, she, she's hearing this, and of course, she's still processing this. She's trying to analyze and figure all this out. And she asked him a very practical question. She said, hey, I hear what you're saying. There's just one problem. I'm a virgin. I've never had sexual relations with a man. So, Hoss, I hear what you're saying. I don't understand how it could ever be. How can I conceive without the help of a man? And look what Gabriel says to him, verse number 35. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit, here's another key word, will. Do you see that little word? The Holy Spirit will, not maybe, not might, not possibly. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power, that's a key word, of the Most High. It's talking about the power of God will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. You know what he said? He said, I'll tell you how it's going to happen. God is going to perform a miracle in your body enabling you to conceive without the aid of a man. That's what he's going to do. Then he gave her an example. He said, you know, it's, it's, it's like what he's already done for your relative Elizabeth. Now, who was Elizabeth? She was the wife of a priest named Zechariah. She was well along in years. Now, men, if you don't, I'm mean, I tell you, if you don't get anything else out of this sermon, I want you to listen to the way I just said that. She was well along in years. You never refer to a woman as old. Women don't get old, they just move along in years, right? She was well along in years, far advanced in years that it is now, and it had been. All her life she had been barren, biologically, physically impossible for her to conceive and have children. Now she's even so far advanced in years that it's twice, twice as impossible, doubly impossible, I guess you could say. And the angel said, you know, but you realize that she's in the sixth month of her pregnancy. How do you explain that? He tells her in verse number 37, look at this, because this is also a key phrase in our story. This is big, big, big. You see in this? For nothing is impossible with God. You know the rest of the story? You know what she did next? She said, okay. I'm good with this. Let's do it. I'm good with this. Ronnie, what did you want us to see in that story? I wanted you to see that Mary came to the place where she was at peace 
with what was happening in her life. She was good with it. In the end, she was not confused. She was not disturbed. She was not afraid. Something happened in the course of this conversation that absolutely transformed her. You know what happened? She began to experience God's gift of peace. How did that happen? In the conversation with Gabriel, she learned three things. And then she did something. It drove away the confusion. It drove away the fear. And left her with perfect peace. This morning, I tell you what I want to do. I want to share those three things with you. Three things you got to know to experience God's peace. Are you ready? Number one, you have to know that God is with you. You think about this. God is with you. You say, now Ronnie... I saw in that verse that God was with Mary. I can't dispute that. But how in the world would I be sure that God is with me? Throughout the New Testament, we are taught that at the moment someone accepts Christ, God moves into their body. I mean, at that moment, He is in them. And since He's in them, He is with them. And in the New Testament book of Hebrews, we're taught that once God is in someone and He is with them, He will never leave them. He will never abandon them under any circumstances. Which means that once He's with you, He's with you 365 days a year, 24 hours of every day for the rest of your life. And why would He be with you? Is He there just to observe? Is He just a spectator? Watching the events of your life unfold? Absolutely not. He's with you to help you. He's with you because He knows you're going to need His help. What that means is that when you go to your doctor and he looks across that desk at you and maybe with tears welled up in his eyes and he said, you know, there's just no easy way for me to tell you this. God is with you. When your foreman walks up to you on a Friday afternoon and says, I just want to thank you for all the contributions you've made to this company. However, as of today, we no longer need your services. God is with you. It means that when your spouse sits you down and says, I love you, but I'm not in love with you, I want a divorce. God is with you. The second thing you got to know is that God can do anything. And don't, you know what Gabriel told Mary? Nothing's impossible. He can do anything. When we think about Christmas and we think about God sending His Son, I think we see it as a demonstration of God's love. It was, wasn't it? Absolutely. Do you know what Gabriel is saying to Mary? It's also a demonstration of God's power, Right? This could have never happened outside of the power of God. God did a miracle, and that's the only way this could ever take place. God, this is what he's saying to Mary, the God who is with you can do anything. The God who is with you 
It's powerful. You say, how powerful? In the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says that God is so powerful that He can do infinitely more than anything you could ever ask or imagine. Did you get that? God is so powerful that He can do infinitely more than you could even imagine. You know, I can imagine God parting a sea. Not a pond. Not Lake Kiwi. A sea. And holding that water at bay long enough for millions of people to walk through on dry ground. I can imagine that. Can you imagine that? I can imagine God raining bread out of heaven every day to feed and sustain over a million people for 40 years. I can imagine God opening up the eyes of the blind. I can imagine Him raising the dead. You know why he's done all that? This is what Paul says. God has infinitely more power than he's ever displayed to any of us. That's how powerful that God with you is. You know what that means? That you'll never come up on a problem he can't solve. You'll never come up on an enemy that he can't vanquish. You'll never, you'll never be engaged in a battle that he can't win. You'll never have a need that he absolutely cannot meet. The God who is with you can do anything. Now, the third thing you've got to know, God will help you. Mary says, I don't see how. The angel says, I'm going to tell you how. God will help you. God has a part in this. And God's going to do His part. You know, I guess of these three, This is the one I absolutely want you to wrap your mind around. God is with you. He can do anything. And He's going to help you. No ifs. No baby. Maybes. Babies. No maybes. No I hope so. Listen to Him tell you. God's going to help you. God's going to do His part. He's going to keep his promises. Absolutely. You know, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking about worry. And he says, hey, you believers shouldn't worry. The unbelievers, they're going to worry. But I don't want you to worry. And this is what he said. Here's why. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Right? And then he said, and he will provide. Will absolutely provide all you need. Isaiah 41 God commanded His people Israel, do not be afraid. And then He told them why. Because I'm with you. And then a couple of verses later, He said, do not be afraid. I'm going to tell you why. I'm here to help you. And then two or three verses later, He says, do not be afraid. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to help you. That is the absolute truth. Whoever you are, whatever you're facing, God is with you. He can do anything. And in His time and His way, I'm going to tell you what. He's going to help you. Those are three things you had to know. Now, there's something you got to do. You got to trust God. You got to trust Him. I want you to look at one more verse out of Luke 1. After Gabriel and Mary finished their conversation, she goes up to visit her relative Elizabeth, and Elizabeth said something to her. I want you to read it with me. I want you to look at this. Verse number 45. Elizabeth said, You are blessed because you believed. I want you to see this. You believed that God was with you. She did. You believe that God can do anything. 
She did. But look what else she believed. She believed that the Lord would do what he said. You know what faith is? Faith is not believing simply that God wants to help you. Faith is not believing only that God could help you. You know what faith is? Faith is believing absolutely that God is going to help you. No doubts. It's a settled issue in your mind. You know it beyond any shadow of a doubt. When you do that, you're trusting God. And when you trust God, guess what you begin to experience? Peace. And peace changes everything. For me, peace has been a seldom used gift. And I'm ashamed to say that. All of my life, I have battled chronic anxiety. When a problem arises, first thing I do, I try to figure out what to do. What do I do here? Why has this happened? I analyze it. Now, my wife's not in here. Or she'd be going, amen, that's right. I try to analyze that problem from every possible angle. You know, I get out my notepad and I make list every possible solution, every possible step, what it might lead to. Benji's grinning because he knows me. You know what it does? This makes it worse. Because in reality, I'm trying to figure out something I can't figure out. And while I'm in the midst of all this, you know, analyzing, I always have this tendency to assume the worst. So while I'm doing this analyzing, I'm doing it with fear of how I assume this is going to work out. Only God knows what this has cost me in my lifetime. Now, back in the fall, I started doing something that's helping me. As a matter of fact, last night, Lynn and I were on our way to a Christmas dinner, and she said, Ronnie, I see a big difference in you. She didn't say, I just say a difference. She said, Ronnie, I see a big difference in you. I don't see you obsessing over things. I don't see you analyzing things to death. I don't see you worrying. I don't see you living under a cloud of fear. I see a big difference. You know what I've been doing? Back in October, in my, I started this. In my personal time of Bible reading, I take portions of the Bible that deal specifically with fear and anxiety. And I read and study them carefully, looking for peace. You know what I've been discovering? That God is with me. He can do anything. And He's going to help me. He is going to help me. Period. So here's what's taking place. Problems are going to arise, right? Just, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Problems are going to arise. I don't care who you are. I don't care how you live. I don't care. Problems are going to arise. That's a fact. God is going to help you with your problem. 
At some point, the problem arises. At some point, this is a fact. God is going to help you with the problem. Now, in between the time the problem arises and God takes care of the problem, I'm free to choose what I do. And all my life, I've chosen to worry. Here's what's changing. Over the past few months, I have chosen not to worry, but to trust. And to understand, hey, if I worry, it's my, it's my choice. If I'm confused, disturbed, and afraid, it's because I've chosen to be in this state. And I can worry and I can waste all this time and energy. And in the end, guess what's going to happen? God's going to take care of it. He's got this. So why not just trust Him? And as I trust Him, guess what I'm experiencing? More and more of God's peace. I want to pass this on to you. I want you to know that God is with you. That He can do anything. And He's going to help you. So, trust Him. Trust Him and receive His peace. And you're going to have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Let's pray. I don't know what the problem is that's arisen in your life. I don't know who the enemy is. I don't know what the battle is. I don't know what's got you confused and disturbed and afraid. But whatever it is, I want you to see it in perspective. How big is it compared to God? Is this too complicated for him? Is this too big for him? No. God is with you. He's going to help you. And he can handle anything that you're facing. I want you to trust him. Father in heaven, Thank you so much. When you gave us Jesus, you gave us so much more than, than just a Savior. You gave us gifts within the gift, and one of those gifts is the gift of peace. Father, there's somebody I'm talking to right here who desperately needs that gift, and they need it to become active in their life just as quickly as possible. I pray that they'll trust you. I pray that every time they feel anxiety beginning to rise up in their spirit, that they would choose not to worry, not to try to figure it out, just to simply to trust. And I pray that as they trust, they experience your peace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas. 
you go in peace.